Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that never passes up an opportunity to talk about a JRPG. I'm your host, David Lloyd, and this week we'll be discussing a particularly good indie JRPG in the Zaboid Games-developed Cosmic Star Heroine. But first up, I'll introduce uh, my co-pilot for this two-person episode. And joining us again after lengthy assurances that I would not completely mispronounce her name this time, ladies gamer and Nintendad writer Paige Detlefson. Oh, you did it. Yay. <laughs> Woohoo. And Jordan wasn't even here. I was going to rub it in that, that I've been uh, practicing it all week to make sure I didn't butcher it. And even uh, That's right. yeah, uh, even Ben, uh, the week after uh, we had you on, was making fun of me for... <laughs> He's, he's not going to believe you now when you upload this. He's just going to think that you kept retrying it. And... <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's, he's just going to claim that I, that I edited it in after the fact. And I suppose yeah. I don't have any uh, I don't have any evidence to, uh, for the contrary. But yes, uh, I managed <laughs> to get it right this time. So it's uh, a thirsty Good. mage first to get the get somebody's name right. Yep. And uh, yes, yeah, so did, did, I don't know if you uh, have any drinks uh, on the go tonight. Just- or- uh, just Coca-Cola, because, you know, it's only the afternoon here, and I've got, um, I've got to leave the house at some point today, so. <laughs> Can't be having fun. Yeah. Well, luckily, it's, uh, it's afternoon and up here in Canada, so, uh, I guess, I guess I'm not gonna, I am gonna butcher one, one name this, uh, on tonight's episode, though, definitely, because <laughs> I have another, uh, French beer, and I'm certainly gonna to butcher this one. So it's uh, it's an amber beer from uh, I guess last. It's the same uh, company from last week. It was total coincidence. Uh, I ended up just buying a bunch from the uh, one particular store, and I didn't even realize it was the same one. But it's from uh, Lavois uh, Malte, and it's called Lagrange. Oh man, I'm really butchering this one. Lagrange. Don't ask me. Shoes. I'm gonna have to get uh, call up Guy and ask him to. Uh, record it so i can edit it in but uh <laughs> uh it's it yeah it's a uh, an amber beer it's back to ambers i've been on a real light beer kick but now i'm back up to the the 8.5 uh, alcohol content so i'm i'm back in flavor country so uh this was a, a pretty good one and uh pretty pretty happy with uh, my ambers going back back where my favorite uh, flavors are so having a having a nice one tonight so Because uh, early on, uh, back, uh, this is, uh, like uh, we were saying, this is Cosmic Star Heroine from Zaboid Games. And uh, I both, bo- uh, both Paige and I have played this on the Nintendo Switch version, which came out sometime yeah. in 2018. I think it was the summer. 2018. Like we said, it's an indie game created by Robert Boyd and William Sternberg. And uh, these are a couple gentlemen that... Uh, they they had been making uh, a few RPGs uh, leading up to Cosmic Star Heroine that they had released on uh, the Xbox uh, Indie. There was like the, 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 I think it was on the 360, they had like the Indie Live program. And so their, their first couple were Epiphany in Space and Molly the, the Where's Zompire. Zom- uh, those are both uh, live indie games in 2009. Uh, then they moved on to the first RPG, which was Breath of Death 7. The beginning uh, that was released back in 2010. Uh, that one, I from from what I, what I could read, it was uh, a bit of a satire on RPGs, and it kind of looked okay. like Dragon's Quest, uh, like the 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 look of it. Uh, I, I would say it wouldn't be the first RPG to have seven in the series name without actually being the seventh game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're having a little fun there. Uh, I guess the big claim claim to fame for that one is that it had a, a unique combo system um, based on p- uh, player character choices and uh, some non-character non-player characters had got strength bonuses depending on uh, how many turns the fight had gone on and um, so uh, it, it was received it was pretty well received when it came out and which kind of led up to um, them going on uh, going on to Kickstarter to do the cosmic star heroine and um, yeah, the, the the one thing that seems to be 
common throughout them all is is the sense of humor from uh, from the two. Like there there seems to be they they seem to have played a lot of RPGs in their day, and uh, they seem to have a lot of fun with with uh, the genre and kind of playing on the uh, the tropes that you kind of see in the uh, the RPG genre. Yeah. Um, yeah, one thing I mentioned way back in my review was that it's the kind of game that makes you want to talk to every NPC to see what thing they have to say that's funny. And they they have kind of the um, persona view where you kind of see like the character profile with the with the text. And uh, I mean, I remember a few stand up. I enjoyed um, the where they meet up with the singer in in the bar. There's a few a few key key lines in there. And uh, before the episode, you. Yeah, uh, Paige had shared even one um, from Shan about uh, when they were in a lab and uh, they were talking about how uh, if you have something uh, dangerous inside a glass, why would you keep it inside a, a, a flimsy glass container? Yeah, experiments. So, yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they do, uh, they, they have good dialogue and that's actually one of the things uh, that they, they found that important to them is that the uh, Robert Boyd has stated in an interview that uh, one of the, the valuable things that they look at for an RPG is they want to make sure it has good pacing, design, and dialogue. So that, that really keeps in touch with uh, their design philosophy. I think you can pretty much see it through this game as well. Yeah, exactly. They follow through on those ideas. Yeah. And um, so before we get into the actual game itself, we're just going to kind of touch up a little bit on the influences that they had um, when making the game. Um was reading uh, an interview with uh, William Sternberg, and and he kind of went through all the different games that uh, they had played to together, and that they had uh, based a lot of the the gameplay on. And so we'll just go through a few of them that here, and uh, one one big one for them was Final Fantasy VII, and uh, they were strongly influenced by the pacing and and the introduction. They and that's one of the things, uh, the big things in Cosmic Star Heroine as well is is the the cutscenes, like you could see. Um, they had put some time and effort into having some good cutscenes, and they they wanted to kind of start the game off uh, in, in the same vein as Final Fantasy VII with the with that nice intro that uh, cutscene intro that made yeah. such an impact. Oh, I thought it would have been like the um because I just reopened the game just before, and the intro segment is like she's on a a mission, so you you get your tutorial while you're just on like a short little mission before you go back to into the main plot starts. Like that's what starts it. Yeah, um, yeah, and like as I say, I haven't played Final Fantasy VII, but I did play like that demo that they had for the remake, and yeah, it's the same thing. Like you start off where you're on a mission, and you go and get this thing done, and then the whole plot starts going from there. Yeah, it it, it is very similar to the, uh, the the blowing up of the first reactor in uh, Final Fantasy VII, and and they and he had even stated that uh, Alyssa LaSalle, the main character of Cosmic Star Heroine, is actually based on Cloud. Um, which which uh, makes a lot of sense. Like they're both kind of uh, soldiers f- for uh, a unique division of the army, and and yeah, they you can see the the, the resemblance uh, in in their plot lines and that sort of thing. And uh, another game that they had based it on is uh, Chrono Trigger, and they the thing that they liked most about Chrono Trigger was that uh, it was pa- the pacing was very uh, well done. They liked that there was no gl- there you didn't have to grind in uh, Chrono Trigger. Um, that there was no wasted time in the game that you just kept moving and, and moving to, you know, the story beats and the, the combat. And uh, I, and then even the uh, graphics of Cosmic Star here, when, when you first see them, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that it has a very Chrono Trigger look to it. Yeah, the like, one thing I sort of liked about um, Cosmic Star Heroine was the enemies would, they wouldn't really respawn unless you specifically put in an option to do that. So the game was balanced properly because you didn't need to do extra combat. Because mm-hmm. that's actually something I've seen a bit more in some other indie games recently. Not just that the um, not just that the enemies don't really respawn, so you don't need to grind, but also the way the combat's designed is that at the end you're sort of like healed up and started again. So like I think a few games I've seen have also started to try and do that. Although I think this one does a good job of it. Hmm. And uh, and like Chrono Trigger, there's no random encounters. Like you actually see the the enemies on the screen, and you walk into them to to trigger the battle. So, yeah, so what I liked was um, in Cosmic Star Hero, when you like start the battle, you still stay on the field. So there's no loading screens. You know where you are, so you don't really get lost. Hmm. Well, and that's yeah. That's especially for the time period that they kind of base it on. Like 
uh, you know the that Final Fantasy time, like the, the, the those uh, cuts to the to the battle scenes and that sort of thing, can really slow the pace down. So yeah, yeah. like you said, well, and even uh, versions of Chrono Trigger, like anyone who's played the SNES version or then moved on to say like a PSP version, one of the things you notice is in the PlayStation versions is is that the the move to the battle is is delayed. <laughs> And anyone who's played the original on SNES can gets really annoyed by that delay because it's so noticeable. So yeah, they, it's it's good that uh, Cosmic Star Heroine is able to, like I said, keep that keep that pace going. Nobody nobody likes to wait. Yeah. And one of the one of the games that they had mentioned as well, but that I've never personally played, uh, is uh, Fantasy Star. Uh, they they took the science fiction setting, uh, like the fantasy elements mixed in with kind of like the cyberpunk look. Uh, they got that from Fantasy Star. Okay, like I don't know. I mean, I don't know too much about it because like I don't read like lots of books. But you know, I know sort of sci-fi stems from fantasy, and like sort of like early on they were sort of mixed in together, so it wasn't you know they didn't have such clear-cut distinctions as like modern like movies or something would like might have with sci-fi. It was a bit more like you know the alien worlds would be sort of fantastical. Mm-hmm. They're different. They have different like cities and towns. Like that was something you put in the notes about Chrono Triggers having those rest areas between, and there's plenty of different locations as well where you talk to NPCs and do things in the town. Yeah, and then even like the later characters that you pick up, there's a few of them that are that are like from different races and um, yeah. have different motivations. So it's they kind of have like a, a very good lore to the game with the with yeah. the different uh, races that are. Trying to like basically like the with the government uh, that's trying to the the guy who's trying to basically create peace I guess across the world where, but then there's the the oppressed uh, races that are they're also fighting for their independence so a lot yeah. of layers to the to the story which is nice. Later in the game, I can't remember how exactly how how far um, the the heroes end up commandeering uh, one of the. Uh, one of the ships, and it, it becomes like a home base for for the team. Yeah. That they end up going back to, and apparently they they had gotten that from Mass Effect. That uh, okay. that home base uh, feel where they, you know, after a mission they go back, and then you can kind of uh, talk to all of the your party members to kind of reassess uh, where everyone is and and push the story and that sort of thing. Yeah, I like games that have that sort of in between place, um, and yeah, like you know might not necessarily have a party talk thing, but yeah, you can go back to the base and then talk to them, which is usually just about where to go next. Um, one thing put in the notes was like, you've got the recruiting characters, which are basically other agents and people that you find that you help out with some minor thing. And then they stay on your ship um, and you can actually use them as like a buff support. So the one I think I ended up using last has like an increase to how much I heal permanently. Mm-hmm. Unless I swap it over for somebody. So there was actually, you know, it actually felt something useful and rewarding to do and not just for the sake of it because it actually gave you an advantage in combat. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice to get that. Um, I noticed it playing Trails of Cold Steel 3 recently is uh, when when you get into a lot of combat, it's nice to, to once you've kind of hit the, the peak of it, you, you have a big battle, and then you kind of go back for a breather. Um, you can kind of reassess... Uh, like your your different skills after you've leveled up a few times and gotten a few weapons or items it's just kind of nice to have that time to to kind of kick back and and you know get set up again double check your party and that sort of thing yeah two more games that uh, William had mentioned is uh, one was bravely default um, one of the things that they wanted to make sure was that uh, the thing that they liked to bravely default was that defending, that's one of the battle system where defending is actually important. And um, that's one of the things that you notice in, in the Cosmic Star Heroine battle combat mechanics is that there comes a point where you, you have to defend or you, you have to use it as, as a strategy. And uh, yeah. that's kind of where Bravely Default is where they got that idea of, uh, and we're going to get into it more in detail later on, but the they kind of equated their hyper points with the brave points to a certain degree. So it's a pretty neat mechanic. It's a little different from Bravely Default, but it's definitely it, it like playing Cosmic Star here when it, it does give that uh, that a- added layer of uh, complexity to the battle system. 
Yeah, it's how the whole thing was designed around, really. Mm-hmm. And the final game to mention is uh, Final Fantasy V. So they, they were big fans of uh, the job system there. So it's a, a little bit different in the sense that uh, with Cosmic Star Hero, and you do have a, a large party or, or a large pool of characters to choose from, um, very similar to Final Fantasy V. But uh, the difference being is that the, the classes are already kind of preset in Cosmic Star Heroine, but Yeah, they can't change who they are, but each character sort of functions as their own class. So you'll have like the hacker and then they have their own unique move sets that you can pick from. And I liked um, Chan. I think the the gunmancy one. I really liked her move set. Yeah, I felt like she could. She really got powered up too when when you would um, mix in like the hyper points with the with the style, and you you get uh, that one of her moves is where they she kind of make guns appear and they shoot everybody. But if you matched it up with when the hyper points um, you filled out her hyper points meter, then all of a sudden there's like more guns and bigger blasts. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt like uh, she was one of those characters uh, to me that like I, I always had on her. She just seemed very, very powerful to to have to to take out, especially if you have like a lot of enemies on the in a battle. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess uh, now it's probably a good. We should time describe to... the battle. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into the battle system since we kind of kind of started to get in there. Um, yeah, talking about it without explaining it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the battle system. Um, so the way it works in Cosmic Star Heroine is it's a turn-based battle system, and um, like we were saying that each character um, has a, a set of moves that can be chosen um, as you level up and as as more moves are added, it, it it gets to the point where you do have to pick and choose what's like what's in your menu to to be able to use when you're in a battle. And yeah. uh, the unique thing about it though is is that the um, a lot of the moves or most of the moves uh, can actually only be used once um, and then need to be so it it needs to be recharged um, in battle. So I believe there's one each character has like one attack that you can that you can always use that doesn't need to be recharged, like a standard attack, I believe yeah. it is. Um, but then all of the other moves that, that do other things, um, like, for example, uh, the main character, Alyssa, um, she would have, like, just... she she Her weapon is um, kind of... I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's, like, the stick with the batons on each side, where, like, a bow, I guess you'd say. So her standard attack is just kind of smacking them with the bow, but then she has like laser blasts that can come from it. Um, but you can, when you're in battle, you can use it once and then you have to kind of give up a turn to do a recharge to get those special attacks back. Yeah, but at least it still works as a defense, so it's not just being... Yeah, well, I think, yeah, so it goes, uh, like when you do the recharge, I believe um, there's like one defensive pose for a turn, but like you, you get uh, reduced damage when you're in the recharge mode. Yeah, so you're not leaving yourself completely vulnerable by having to do it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it also uses, uh, where it shows you the, like the, the turn in the turn-based system, it tells you which character is is coming up next so that you always know, like... Who, which of your characters are about are coming up, or when the enemies are about to attack, so you can yeah. plan down the line when you want to use that recharge. Yeah, um, and also, it aside from stunning people, you usually can't disturb the order too much. But it does help you know, like obviously, a boss is going to have a couple more attacks, so then you know you might need to heal sooner than you'd want to. <laughs> yep. And then um, there was also um, a few different things that... So um, there's a few meters that they use. So one is uh, the style meter. So the, the way that that one works is that uh, like as you're attacking, 
there's a meter that show it's it's uh, appears as a percentage um, on the like on the screen, and as the percentage goes up, as your style goes up, it, it's actually adding additional damage to towards like that additional percentage is adding to the damage as you're attacking. Um, but there's a few things that that you can do with it. So uh, you can expend that that uh, style points to to do a a, a more powerful attack. Um, but one of the neat things about it is that is if you have at least 50% style, there, there's a, a desperation mode that they call it, where if, if your character is uh, attacked and, and put into like negative uh, HP, um, the character can stay alive for one last move, whether that's uh, an attack or, um, or, you, or curing yourself. Like basically, you know, if, if you have 10 hit points left and you get hit for 20 then you're negative 10 and you actually have one last opportunity to heal yourself back back uh, into positive to, to stay in the fight, essentially. Yeah, I'm not sure if I ever did a very good job of um, actually doing that. Um, but it was, yeah, really useful to have. Yeah, and then while you're in the desperation mode too, the attacks are worth... I believe they're worth twice as... Twice, like, they do twice the damage. So I remember... Uh, in a few cases, uh, sacrificing a few characters for for that extra push <laughs> to, to yeah, get... um, certain certain characters are sort of built around it. Like one I didn't actually really like using, but I think um, I think it was Clark that had sort of a like the robot chap had like sort of a destruct one. Yeah, yeah, and that one, yeah, I remember that one. Characters like that, it, it just adds to the again the complexity of the battle mechanics and then on top of that you also if you matched it up with when the hyper points so each character had um a set number of turns where it would do uh, an extra again uh, a hyper move which which is basically again i believe it was double that double uh hit so you you could actually um if you were in desperation mode and you matched it up with when your hyper points came to came up uh you could do quite the quite the hits and the hyper points it was different for every character like i remember there was uh like three or four was i think kind of the common ones i think where it would be like every third turn you'd have that extra hit hyper attack um must depend on your party member because i think most of mine are yeah two to three okay could also be based on difficulty as well I don't know if they changed that. Oh yeah, because because uh, there's four difficulty settings. Yeah, yeah. I I only ever played on the default, so <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure if that changed. But yeah, I remember remember getting into fights, and then all of a sudden, like you're looking at the turn uh, when your turns are coming up, and then you had to keep an eye on uh, when you had those uh, extra extra attack coming up. I think a lot of the times I would end up using, um, saving those for like when I had to heal too, so that I, I got an extra boost on my heal. Yeah. I'll probably actually talk about it now, um, instead of later. Like the, so the party members I ended up with at the end were, um, Chan because yeah, her gunmancy is very useful. Um, and like you're pretty tactical with her moves because you have, say, one that sets you up for next turn, then you can attack every enemy. So then you might do that, and then the next turn she's hyped up, so then you attack every enemy with the um, double damage. Um, and then she also, one skill I used on her was that she could repeat her last action. So oh, I'd usually yeah. do her like strongest attack and then repeat it again. So I found that, yeah, she was my favourite, I think. Um, plus, you could also heal, so then she could repeat heal if you needed to instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had, I think he's called Saib, which is like the sort of bug bug race person. Um, and he he had like a song system. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was... Um, so he was uh, just reading up here from the planet Ramu. He was... I believe he was one of the ones that was... Um, his people were being like wiped out, so he was trying to avenge his, seek justice for his people. He yeah, was a, um, I think he was a good support uh, character. I, I remember. Yeah, he's got yeah. he's sort of uh, bard like. He has like a song that will 
basically you place one one song um, and one of them and then it'd be on the turn order so when, once the song comes it'll do its effect so one of them is party regen and the other one is like to deal some damage to the enemy so you know once every once every couple of turns then either the pain or the um, refresh would happen so that's just sort of like a passive skill that he sets up by just using the move once and then that'll keep happening unless the enemy interrupts it or you mm. swap over um, and then, yeah, you could end the song to heal people. And it depends on what skills you pick, because, you know, there's multiple ones for each character. But just like what I had, um, yeah, he was definitely um, that sort of bard buff thing with a couple of damage attacks. Like, even, yeah, he could have a passive um, damage song. Yeah, I think, I, I remember, uh, I think Lauren was one of my favorites. Uh, usually with her, it would be like War of Attrition, where I would try to try to poison poison someone and then <laughs> just wear them out used Alyssa Alyssa a lot obviously uh, being the main character uh Dave was uh I remember Dave I I believe his, like his big thing was uh supporting like I, I used him to kind of buff up the rest of my party so to make them more stronger I remember they don't make it 100% clear but there's like a bit of this like cybernetic hacking uh, and but then there's also like magic and he was yeah. the, the the hacking the hacking whiz, so yeah, I remember using him a bit. That's why I think um, Ch- Chan stuff is called gunmancy, so like it's gun magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other party member I had was however I pronounce Zorf, something like that. Oh yeah, the bounty hunter. Yeah. Yeah, so he was more of a straight damage dealer because like, um, you know, Chan. Um, Chan and Alyssa had sort of heals they could do, but, you know, focused on damage, and then Saib was mostly buffs, um, whereas, like, sort of, pretty much, it was just, um, he could, no, one of his attacks was just to keep auto-attacking, so he could just put him on one target and let him keep going. So instead of, you know, instead of having to re-pick his moves or refresh, you could just make him do sort of a standard damage to an enemy until that target died. Mm-hmm. I don't remember using, just looking at a few of the other ones, like, I, I remember, um, uh, Borisovsky or Sue, <laughs> uh, I, I remember using him not, like, a f- couple times, but I think usually only when I had to. <laughs> I think he was one of the characters that I ended up leaving off, uh, fairly yeah, often. um, like, I pretty much, like, I think, I pretty much had my preferred team, so it was only when the game made you use a different NPC that I would go to them like um when it made you use clock i didn't really quite get how to use him effectively so i ended up swapping him out back out as soon as i could <laughs> yeah um yeah. and yeah sometimes i'd find a character that sort of did what i wanted so i'd they'd replace somebody instead but that's mm-hmm. the team i ended up with at the end was like Alyssa chan cyber Zorv. yeah i think it's pretty pretty close to what i had because uh, I had definitely had Alyssa and Chan, they were uh, always in, and then I think the other two, usually it would ju- it would be kind of based on what was happening. I think well, I had Lauren in quite a bit. I'm trying to think, I think I used Side too because of his support. I always needed that healer. Um, yeah, but Sean, um, Sean, I think had a good a good uh, healing. Was it Sean that had the the healing as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then again, you could pick the, this will do multiple targets, so then you, you could use a move to focus on all targets, and then you could do a multi-party heal the next turn by doing that skill. Mm-hmm. To heal everyone, or, you know, and then if you had that plus the hyper points, then you'd, like, big party heal everyone. Um, so yeah, I had her as, like, sort of half healer, um, like, you know, side sort of the main one, but it was good to have, like, a few characters that were capable of healing. Mm-hmm. And we had mentioned it um, before the how the the game has kind of like an opening sequence, um, quick mission that that kind of acts as, as the tutorial. And I I thought that was uh, they did a very good job of um, showing showing you the moves. Like there's a lot of times uh, where you kind of go through the tutorial and maybe you kind of blaze through it a bit or or you kind of gloss over things. But I thought I felt like Cosmic Star Heroine did a good job of like showing you cuz cuz there's a lot of complexity too like with the burst points and the uh or the hyper points and the the style 
And I, it's been a, a little bit since I've played, but I just remember one of the things was it didn't seem like a, a very difficult, like, it, it sounds more difficult the way we're talking <laughs> than yeah, it is in practice. Like the like way it, it, you sort of describe things, it was like I couldn't even, you know, remember that aspect of it. I just sort of knew the flow of how I would ended up using my characters um, and that, you know, I'd sort of stick to that or adjust per the enemy ended up having the party members I liked, um, I had the movesets that I preferred to use, and I basically went with a relatively, uh, you know, tried to go for particular strategies based on the movesets I'd chosen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know one of the big things they they were uh, trying to focus on was the pacing. Like, how, how did you find the pacing? Like, I, I don't recall ever feeling like I, I was grinding too much and um, I don't well, think I, I, mean, ma- I fought everybody, but I never felt like I was underleveled at any point. Um, well, you can't really grind unless like there's actually an option to like respawn enemies. So I think it was all pretty well balanced. Um, mm-hmm. I played like originally on the just the agent difficulty, so it's like I don't. It's not, I can't say it's in the middle because there's only four difficulties, but like <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it was it, yeah, was a twelve-hour game or so, eh? Yeah, I think. 11 for me but there's a lot of optional areas that i didn't come across like some were like throwbacks to their other games but those would be the points that were sort of like post games so i wasn't strong enough when i found them because i ran into one bit just get murdered in like instantly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like oh, i'm not oh i don't have to go here never mind yeah um but it wasn't until like the very end where i actually felt like oh this is actually um yeah a bit, bit more of a struggle but otherwise yeah. i think it was paced really well yeah, I, I remember uh, at the time skipping uh, the optional areas because uh, uh, I, my first playthrough with it was through uh, was as a review for uh, NWR. So I I remember uh, trying to get through it as quickly as possible. <laughs> and Ooh. usually when you do a review, you're you're, you're not uh, um, yeah you're trying to Ooh. do as much as you can, but as much as you can within the time allotted. <laughs> so mm. well, I. Um... I, I tried playing it without a, much of a guide, so I just didn't come across some of the areas. Just a couple were, like, accidental, or, you know, I'd see NBCs talk about it, but then it turns out, like, that wasn't the actual story progression. That was to this optional area where I get, like, stomped immediately. <laughs> well, and there's... I, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot of um, online resources to begin with, because uh, I, I was actually, to, to get reacquainted, I was looking for some guides, and... Uh, I think there was one on, like, there was a few community-made ones that I found on Steam, but... Uh, yeah, I was going to say that, like, some games, like, when they first come to Switch, the only, like, guys you'd have would be, like, whatever one someone's made on Steam. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know there was a there's a bit of a bone of contention with uh, the Kickstarter that they were... At, actually, where there was supposed to be, like, a, um, a, a digital guide that was actually from the, uh, from the publishers... Um, yeah. But it didn't. It didn't actually come out until recently. I think the game um, launched, like the the official launch for, was in twenty seventeen, and uh, one of the yeah, it was one of the Kickstarter rewards was this digital guide. Um, but it did the, the digital digital guide wasn't actually ready until about twenty nineteen. <laughs> so yeah, so it wouldn't have been too useful at the time. I guess it's it's nice for um, the people who were backers to to get it now. I guess the. I mean, a lot of for a lot of them, I think it's more like the artwork and stuff as opposed to the actual guide. But it'd be interesting. I'm curious if anyone's uh, if any backers uh, out there listening, uh, you should send us uh, an email or uh, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what it what it looked like, how how it was when you got it, what you thought of it, sort of thing. I'd be interested to know uh, with with the weight that you had to go through, uh, what it was like. I guess we could get into a little bit about the story um, to kind of. Uh, finish up. Yeah, I don't there... know if you want to do the whole plot summary that you've... <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like I said, I think it's been a little bit, a little while for both of us, but um, uh, I guess the, the, the basic point of the plot is that, so Alyssa LaSalle is, uh, she's like a, an agent for, uh, it's called the Agency of Peace and Intelligence, uh, so it's kind of like a, a, a galactic government entity where, it, you know, they're kind of like police, I guess, the police of the galaxy. And um, it, it begins with um, where they go to a research lab 
and uh, they there there's a terrorist organization called uh, Astria, I believe it's called. Yeah. And uh, the they're investigating the this remnants of this project Project Lumina. Uh, so it's this uh, research project, and um, it's basically a kind of a fight between the 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 API and and the terrorist organization Astria. It's very similar. <laughs> Again, like it's it's funny to hear about the Final Fantasy VII similarities because it's it's kind of along the same way where Alyssa, be, you know, starts off as this agent in the API, and then uh, discovers that the the project is actually a, a mind control device, and her uh, former director, the the head of the API, um, has decided that they're going to use this this uh, device to uh, impose order across the galaxy. So Alyssa ends up defecting from from the API to the terrorist organization that she was uh, supposed to be um, defending or, or taking down, I guess. So uh, yeah. very similar in, in the sense to uh, the you know Cloud being part of the soldier program and then defecting to Avalanche. So you can see a lot of similarities there. I said like the sort of gist of the plot overall is like you know not super unique or something but the writing's really good like you said the world and how the characters are interwoven into it is well done like how they're all like tied into the motivations of what's happening throughout the galaxy and like the humor really pulls it through for me and you know i don't expect <laughs> i don't expect most games to have like oh the plot has to be 100 percent. the sort of general premise of the story is sort of typical for that sort of adventure space like sort of you know the you know the man turns out to be evil and then there's another influence beyond that it's still like well written world characters the story all comes in together and the humor is really great yeah like that's kind of the how i felt the game was too is like when you first start out it doesn't like the the story doesn't feel overly original but uh, you become invested in it like it be, it's it's interesting like w- while you're going through it you're enjoying it um, yeah. felt that the character development was good. Like you, you get to know a little bit of the, of the characters and, and like you said, you, you get invested in, in how, how it plays out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, agree with the, the comedy, uh, that, that the, there's, there's kind of a lightheartedness to the, to, e- even though it's kind of like the serious, uh, you know, government trying to impose uh, their will on the people sort of thing. It, it, there still was some levity to to the story in it, in itself. Yeah. So it, it never feels, like, heavy, I guess. <laughs> hmm. Just thinking if there's anything uh, that we missed that would be uh, important to uh, to point out. But Well, I know we did talk about the cutscenes, but I don't think I said much. I just, like, there's, like, there's actually quite a lot of them throughout the game. Like, that retro-style... Like the anim- like this like the pixel art, but they're like animated cutscenes, and I thought they're like one of my favorite parts of the game because there's quite a few of them. And then mm. even at the end, um, after you beat the boss, you get to see how all like all your party members ended up at the end. Yeah, it's uh, that that's uh, one of the things with the it it had like it kind of a, the the throwback to the the SNES era of of that pix that beautiful like pixel art look to it um i also enjoyed the um uh, the music that went with it as well yeah i know i think i remember saying that it's not something i probably remember outside of the game but i think that's just because the game i was playing before that was like uh east eight so i still had that in my brain instead of oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah the um the only like voice song that was like in the like scene with laura what's the character's name the Alyssa? green hair no. Oh, the Lauren. Sing- yeah, yeah, Lauren. Yeah, she's the singer at the um, bar. Yeah. Yeah, because that song is actually done by Laura Shigihara, who um, who's done like some other video game music that I quite like. Oh, that's good. So we've done the plot, we've done characters, combat, party members. I think that there's nothing else in a video game, is there? <laughs> no. I guess just the, the general impression that for... Basically, for for I, I mean, it, it's a good game in general. But for an indie game, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah. For the it kind of hits a lot of the games that that I've grew that I grew up with that I enjoy. Um, so it kind of hits a lot of notes 
Like if you, if you're kind of a fan of that SNES era, uh, I think it does a lot of good things, but it has a lot of modernizations and and changes it up enough that it doesn't feel like it's just copying those games. Like it, it does put its yeah, own it, fingerprint its on its own identity on. and not just mm-hmm. like not just based on the humor, but like it's got its own combat system and like as I said, I really liked um, like China in particular. She just had like such a unique move set that really fit into how the combat works. Um, and yeah, I think it's a pretty good game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully some people like. Hopefully some people picked it up because I think it was cheap in the like the American eShops. But even at the full price, I think it's worth. worth oh it. yeah, def- yeah. Because I think even at full price, it's only like um, ten bucks, like ten or twelve dollars Canadian. And I think it's like ten bucks American uh, regularly. And then yeah, they, it's quite often on sale. Uh, even now, uh, as we're recording, I think it's on for like ninety percent off on Steam if if you play games on PC. Oh, so well, it's... that'll probably be off sale by the time, because that's the Steam Summer <laughs> Sale that's ending pretty soon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's always worth uh, keeping but, an eye on it, because... Uh, but like you said, even but, at f- even at full price, it's still worth it. Yeah, like, I was just because at, like, the, the other month of Switch, it was, like, down to a ridiculous price, but if, yeah, I think it's worth the full price anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if uh, if you're a fan of uh, pixel, pixel RPGs, where with good pacing, good design, and strong dialogue as as the developer's uh, uh, value, then uh, it's it's a real fun game to pick up. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. This is the last call for alcohol. So that brings us into uh, our last call for the evening. And uh, for this week, just uh, with Cosmic Star Heroine first uh, becoming, it it was partially funded through Kickstarter. And I thought it would just be uh, uh, neat to have a conversation about uh, whether, um, if the reward is worth the risk on backing a Kickstarter game. Uh, I know there's been, uh, for for every Shovel Knight, uh, that's the game I was thinking of. For every uh, positive uh, Shovel Knight game uh, that's on Kickstarter, there's there's uh, lots of games that we never even hear about that just that start on Kickstarter and end up failing. And uh, yeah, I'm just curious if um, Paige, if you've had any uh, experience with with Kickstarter, and is there any games that you might see on there that you that would actually like have change your mind about it, or or have you give um, it a try? Actually, recently I've backed quite a few things, but their their release dates are m- most a way off, so I, ha- I haven't hit that point where it's like, oh, this hasn't come to the estimated date yet, because it's still early. Um, oh, okay. I guess the only thing was, like, um, one thing where it wasn't a developed game was the wonderful 101 Kickstarter. The, that was just to port it, and I was supposed to get the physical release, and... It's come out in some countries retail already, and I still haven't. I'm still waiting on my my copy, <laughs> um, which I think is a thing that happens a lot with Kickstarter when they come to the physical awards. I think, say, so I think most people thought, even though it took a bit longer, um, most people thought the Bloodstained was pretty good, with the exception of maybe the Switch version. Um, but Have the they um, fixed Japanese. That yet? I know they've been. They said uh, they were working on it, but I don't uh, know if they've like completely patched uh, it to to. To be, like, I couldn't. I couldn't yet. see the difference when one of their later patches came, so I've just traded it back. Okay, <laughs> we've got it on other console, so yeah, um, you're just better off playing it on anything else. Um, but the I was gonna say the Japanese audience, I think, got a bit screwed over with it, like the physical backers, because again, they had the same thing where this game's already out in retail, and the people that have backed the game to get the physical still hadn't gotten it. Hmm. Well, and then um, there was the. Uh, depending on the country, like some of the people that are getting it now are getting hit with the import fee, so they're actually paying more for the physical copy through Kickstarter than had they had just purchased it through their like retail store. Yeah. Um, there's always like some mess ups like that. Like um, I backed the colors that's coming version that's coming to Nintendo Switch, and I like backed the version where I'm going to get like a physical like pick the color pen I get and stuff like that, but. For certain regions, they forgot to apply the shipping on top of it. So then, when the like, you know, double check address survey thing come out, we then had to pay the shipping fee again. 
Well, oh, because it hadn't, got, it hadn't gone through the first time. Yeah. So I had to pay a bit more than I thought. But in terms of... There's a few, but there's a few games I'm waiting on. I think I've back, backed um, Orange Island. Um, I think one called... Yes, I've backed the um, Orange Island uh, Battle Axe, which is supposed to come out next year. And there was Abs and the Killer, oh, Abs versus the Blood Queen, which is made by the Killer Queen team. Okay. Um, actually, yeah, I've yeah, got quite a few. Th- I was like, I didn't really back stuff before, and then this year I've actually done quite a lot. Um, <laughs> so a few things are meant to come out. So yeah, a few of the actual to develop games aren't coming out till at least next year or more. Whereas um, some other stuff's supposed to be this year, like a back to card game, Colors Live, whenever Wonderful One One gets here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got two. I've I've backed two so far. One was uh, the it's um, originally it was called Chicken Wiggle through a Tui, and they oh, they've yeah. since changed the name. It's now. Um, Oh man, I can't. Hatch Tales, I think, is what it's called now. They they ended up changing the name, but uh, that was one where I can't remember when when it was supposed to come out. But I think it was I backed it in like twenty seventeen. It was supposed to come out in twenty eighteen, and and we're still waiting on it a bit. So that one's uh, a bit delayed. And the the other one that I've recently done is um, Sea of Stars, uh, which is from the uh, the Messenger team. Okay. And, yeah, so they're they're making um, uh, like the messenger was kind of like a, I guess like a ninja Gaiden, um, but this one that they're making is is more of a an R, like a true RPG, and uh, they're actually the the last update I got is that um, Mitsuda is going to be doing some of the music for them, which I think is pretty neat. Uh, but that one, they they actually say twenty twenty two, which is. Uh, going to be a little bit away <laughs> and that's yeah. assuming they're on time because i think that's yeah. one of the one of the biggest things with uh, the kickstarters is that a lot of them seem um i don't know if they're just uh, uh optimistic about when the game <laughs> will yeah. be able to come out but i th- i think that's that's kind of the commonality between a lot of them is that uh, like uh, for cosmics our heroine in particular i know that they had um originally the kickstarter came out in t- uh, october of 2013 and they estimated that they'd be done by the end of 2014, but uh, the game actually didn't launch until April of 2017. So there, there was a bit of a, a delay. Like, um, I know it, one of the the first Mage uh, Thirsty Mage episodes I actually did was um, I had uh, interviewed uh, Benedict Stain from um, Snowcastle Games, which uh, they had done uh, Earthlock, the the RPG, oh, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, and it, the, he gave um, a pretty good idea of, like, so, again, it's they didn't need the, um, so they went on Kickstarter, like, they did have funding, some funding available, but Kickstarter kind of helped them get over the the finish line, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's it's fun to, it was interesting to talk to him, like, because things started off, like, they had a plan, but then um, as they get into it, they realize like, oh, well, if we did this a little more, it'd be a little bit better and then a little bit better. And then, but all those little additions at like yeah. just add time. <laughs> so they go that- in with this idea of like, okay, this is what we need to do and it should get us there. But then when you're actually in the trenches doing, doing the work, realizing like, yeah. these things could, could make the game so much better. And then all of a sudden, like the time just adds up. Mm. Yeah. As I um, also know, like, some games do, like, the partial funding through Kickstarter. Like, one of the ones I backed is um, Bacon Switch was supposed to be a local play game, but then they had a Kickstarter for the online multiplayer because, of, um, especially because of the situation that, you know, not everyone's going to be able to be in the same room and play the game. So, like, they already had, they'd already been working on, like, the main thing, but they just needed the funding to be able to add the multiplayer part for online. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the the other um, risk that you go into is, uh, I know that um, one of the the big Kickstarters was Un- Unsung Story. They had uh, they had like a six hundred thousand dollar goal, and when they originally, I'm trying to remember when it was like I think twenty twenty. What, I'm just looking it up here. It's like twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen, something like that. Um, when the the Kickstarter went out for Unsung Story. 
uh, after about a year uh, or two, I guess it was, uh, they ended up just running out of money and and, and the, the whole project just, just died. And um, what ended up happening is that, a, a, luckily enough, um, a, a, a developer came in, uh, Little or, or... Oh, so the, the developer Playdeck um, took over... Like, they basically bought the rights to to uh, Unsung Story um, after they ran out of, mo- uh, ran out of money. <laughs> and uh, luckily enough, Unsung Story is going to be finished now. Uh, it's okay. supposed to be done in late 2020. But, I mean, had had they not come in and kind of rescued the, the project, uh, you know, that would have been a lot of... I think there was uh, 10 or 20,000 people that ended up uh, committing to that Kickstarter and they would have been left empty-handed basically um i'll say uh, speaking of kickstarter projects that are still waiting on a release um have you heard of star citizen oh yeah yes that kickstarter was apparently 2012 by what i'm looking at 2013 well, star citizen is just a perpetual beta isn't it yeah <laughs> so like no matter what you back at least you haven't back to that right yeah well, and it's uh, it's I have a buddy who's like way into Star Citizen, and he's uh, he's contributed. I think he backed it on Kickstarter at the time, and but I know he's put a lot of lot more money into it because he's bought like he's bought the new ships that have come out, and then um, he was recently showing me the um, the like there's a, a city that they're building that they're working on. Like there's like this planet that's a whole city, and uh, and he was running through it and stuff, and I, I'm like. Very ambitious, and it looks pretty crazy, yeah. but uh, yeah, that that'd be a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just doesn't. It's it seems like one of those projects that's just gonna be, like be perpetually always in development. Like it just it seems like every time they get so far, they just they you know they build on top of it. And uh, yeah, well, and then t- to be fair, it's supposed to be multiplayer by the looks of it so it wouldn't even hurt them to actually have a finished version and then add on to it later because most multiplayer games get updated with big updates Mm -hmm. and i think you need a pretty powerful pc for that one yeah because uh he uh i know he has like a gaming laptop but it can't run it and he has -hmm. to have like his his he has like a very uh souped up pc that he says just barely chugs it along so it's uh that's that's one of those things where I guess the people who are in there are heavily invest have to be heavily invested if they want to play that one. But I mean, it it does look uh, pretty impressive though. So, but yeah, it's uh... <clears throat> maybe in a podcast in thirty years we. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> in thirty years, we'll be talking about the new team that takes over development. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that it's probably a good to, good place to end it. I'm gonna. I'm going to be a little rusty on the outro because I, I passed off uh, all outro duties to Jordan, so uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, to not pooch it, but uh, um, maybe, uh, Paige, if you'd like to let us know what you've been working on and uh, what what people could be uh, watching or uh, reading from you that uh, that's in coming up uh, shortly. So I just finished my Story Seasons Friends of Mineral Town review, so that's on my YouTube channel, which is just Paige Detlefson. Um and now that I've got that out of the way, I'm going to finally focus on getting Brigandine done, because I've had that for a little while now. So that, that yeah, my next review will be Brigandine, that's my main focus. Um, and I suppose you can also see me on Twitter at PageGuy. Yeah, that's great. The Brigandine, uh, I remember, I think, um, that was a, you played the demo a few months ago, because I think I, yeah. I watched that on your YouTube channel, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, the demo, my demo video's got quite a lot of views, so it's just like other stuff got in the way of me getting a review out at sort of the same time as anyone else, but it'll yeah. it'll be done. Is it a, that's a long one? It looked, uh, I remember seeing it at the time and I'm well, like, I got a little well, scared according off it to it... According to developer comments, roughly one playthrough would maybe be about 30 hours, um, okay, and you've got so five different I... nations and... Yeah. We've got, you know, like in terms of like content, you've got five nations. It's also a challenge mode. You unlock after beating it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I want to, I wanted to do a couple playthroughs, but it looks like I'll do like one playthrough and a bit of challenge mode at the very least. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it, I had to, it, it interested me when I like looked into it, but the, I think at the time um, I, I was playing a lengthy RPG and I, I got scared. <laughs> it's like, I was a little worried about the uh, the commitment I had to put into it. So well, I'm, I'm glad you... It only came out like two weeks ago, I think. So Okay. Yeah, well, looking forward to watching that when it's posted, so we'll keep our eye out. And uh, and I'll make sure to put um, the link to your channel as well on our on our post so that... Uh, Anyone listening uh, will be able to uh, click on that and and find see it the, without the having tried to spell my name right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they have us, there, there's certainly uh, it doesn't help uh, when I butcher the name that uh, it's not helping yeah. people uh, figure out how to spell it. So make sure, uh, yeah, I'll have that in the notes. So make sure everyone uh, clicks on that when they get there. Um, yeah, as for the Thirsty Mage, uh, Casey and I are, are still uh, doing our weekly uh, news videos. Um, the latest one that would be up there would be talking about uh, Ease on Switch. Uh, I know a couple weeks ago we had talked about Ease 9, uh, Monstrum Nox had been announced, but now we just found out that uh, Ease Origin is also going to be on Switch uh, this year, I believe, uh, sometime in 2020. I don't think they actually gave a date. Um, but I know you can pre-order the game now because... Uh, uh, Casey had a lengthy discussion uh, amongst himself about whether he was going to buy the collector's edition or not because they got a pretty impressive uh, collector's edition with like a steel case and I believe the, I think, a soundtrack on the CD and that sort of thing. So I think they did it on the video a few sorry on the Vita a few years ago as well. Okay, I think I think Limited Run did the Vita release as well. Yeah, so we're seeing plenty of Falcom games come to Switch, which I'm pretty happy about. I, I'm a, a recent Falcom uh, convert now that I've played... Uh, I played Trails in the Sky, which I really enjoyed, but um, Trails of Cold Steel 3 has really pushed me over the edge, so uh, I, I'm happy that these Eve's games are coming to Switch. Yeah. I'll be getting on them when I they come. I think I've only played 8, but I really liked that, so... Yeah, I, I have to get back. I, I started 8, uh, but ended up uh, falling off it at the time. I think there's just a lot of things going on, and I know Casey uh, is a big proponent of it too. He, he really loved eight, so uh, I'll I'll try to get back to eight before uh, nine and one come out. But definitely looking forward to them. We'll book you and... for um, after Earthbound. That's <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Put it in your schedule. Oh, that one's that one's that was close sneaking up on me. I'm gonna have to jump yeah, on that I'm... soon. So I was gonna say, as soon as it hits August, I might just have to start it. So I, you know, at least play a little bit at a time if I don't have yeah I don't even know what to I, I've I, I think the longest I played that game is about an hour so I might have to I might be the same I might have to just like chip away an hour a day until yeah. until we get through it so yeah well we're we're uh, taking the plunge for Jordan it's one of his favorite games of all time so yeah. I guess I guess at the end of it all if whether we enjoy it or not we'll be able to say we played and we beat it <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh, yeah, so again, if um, anyone wants to follow us on Twitter, it's at the Thirsty Mage. Um, on YouTube, it's uh, the same as uh, the Thirsty Mage. Uh, to follow, um, make sure to also follow uh, Paige on her YouTube channel and Twitter, which we'll uh, also have links for um, on the in the notes. And uh, yeah, if if uh, and if you enjoyed uh, this podcast. Uh, Please uh, make sure, if you have time, to uh, give us a rating on uh, iTunes or whatever pod player of choice. Uh, I know Spotify is uh, quickly becoming uh, one of the pod catches of choice these days. So um, if you have any chance to, to get on there, we'd appreciate it. It uh, helps uh, with the growth of the show and uh, helps uh, give us some uh, extra exposure. So maybe we'll be able to uh, uh, get some get some be- diff- bigger and different games and that sort of thing. So uh, any support that uh, you can give us is great. So I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the show and just want to thank Paige uh, for doing uh, the the duty the double duty with me on uh, the two the two uh, person episode tonight. Yep. So I'll see you next time. Yeah, sounds great. Have a good one.